I'm going to ask you to open up your Bible to Genesis chapter 18. And if you want to just kind of follow along, we're going to reference Genesis 18, Luke 18, and maybe even Romans chapter 4. So Genesis 18 is where we're going to start. And... I will tell you that it was good this morning to wake up and know we're having church, and then uh, I was fueled by coffee and coconut cream pie, homemade coconut cream pie by, I would say Dave and Janet, but I know Dave didn't do any of that. I know it was all Janet. <laughs> he probably bought this stuff. Uh, here at 9 a.m., here comes the coconut cream pie, and I'm eating it. My girls are trying to snag bites of it, and I hid it in the microwave, uh, so they didn't know where it went. Um, so if I crash in about 20 minutes, sugar is, is going to eventually crash out, caffeine and sugar all at the same time. No, but it's good to be back. I have to tell you, it's, it was strange, uh, sitting last week with Michaela, uh, and I wrestled Avon. I don't know, some of y'all may have seen me over there trying to wrestle the, the 10-month-old, and I looked at Michaela about five minutes in, I said, I don't know how you do this every single week, because this kid is driving me crazy, she's on top of me, she wants down, she wants to walk, she wants to crawl. So to all of you parents, grandparents, family friends who wrestle little ones, God bless you. Kudos to you, for real, because it's not... It's not an easy job, and I learned that last week. And just sitting there next to my wife was great. But, the, you know, the entire time we were away, I will admit, um, I did not pray and ask God, God, give me a, a, you know, blow off the socks of everyone's message. I will be honest to tell you that while I was away, I was truly away. Um, I prayed for our church during the time away, but I did not seek the Lord for guidance in my sermon whenever I was coming home because I was truly cherishing the moments that I had away. And, and it's good that all of us have to have those moments where we just kind of distance ourselves completely. And even as Jesus did, he would find himself trying to find desolate areas just to pray and just to, to be alone. So I have to tell you, it's kind of nice to be back in what, they, what the old timers say, back in the saddle. Back in the saddle. Now, one thing that kept coming to my mind was Genesis chapter 18. Even though I wasn't necessarily praying and asking God, hey God, just, just give me a message now that I can write for the next three weeks and I can perfect it and I can fine tune it and I can chisel away and piece it together. But the entire time we were away, I was compelled to read Genesis chapter 18. And then I started to think, who here has ever been invited by someone to just take a seat? You might go to their house and they say, what? Just grab a chair, take a seat. You might go to a restaurant and you're not intending, kind of like Scott was talking about, you may not be intending to eat with them, but they may say for a moment, just, just take a seat. Anybody ever been in that moment where someone's invited them to take a seat? And that's what I would title this particular message would be, take a seat. Just yesterday morning, I was taking some trash out to the dumpster, and Jeff Gibson Sr. pulled around, and he was in a side-by-side. He was marking a cemetery's headstone and tombstone, or, or a foot, foot marker, and, and uh, he, just, he just invited me to sit with him in the side-by-side. He was going to take me home, and what, 45 minutes later, Jeff, we're sit, sitting out there talking about everything under the sun, and I just happened to... To take a seat. See, anytime we invite somebody to, you know, sit with us or to grab a chair, what we're doing is we're inviting 
time for us to truly spend quality time together, but we're also inviting them into a moment of intimacy and where you can actually grow together and get to know each other in deeper and greater ways. So now let's go to Genesis 18. And the Lord appeared to him, this is Father Abraham, by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to earth, to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on. Abraham's essentially asking them, hey, just take a seat, grab a chair, take a seat, and let's eat, let's have some water, refreshment. He goes on to say, so they said, the Bible says, so they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three, do you know what this word is? Sias? Does anybody, anybody know what that means? It means seven quarts. All right, if you've wondered, if, if you're wondering where that's at on your uh, measuring cups, it's not there because it's not an original word for measuring. But what it means is three, seven quarts. So 21 quarts of fine flour. He says, knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why does Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. And then lastly, but Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And God said, no, but you did laugh. So whenever I was gone and we were spending time away and and truly refreshing ourselves and our family and and just kind of recharging to kick off this fall time. And I was compelled to read this text over and over and over and over and over. And then I began to think about there's a lot of individual people in this place. There's also quite a few couples and there's a lot of families in this church right now. And then I began to think that there may be people in here, maybe just one, Or there may be a whole lot of people in this particular place right here, right now, who are praying to God about something. 
you are pleading with God to do something. I'm just, I'm not going to ask you to shout it out. I'm not going to ask you to write it down. I'm not going to ask you to tell your neighbor even. But if you are here and you are someone that has been asking God to change this situation, if you're asking God to repair this fractured relationship, if you're asking God to provide financially where you've been lacking, if you're asking God to piece back the heart that has been broken for some time, if you are here and you are praying for God to do something or to change someone, I just want you to raise your hand. Just just raise your hand. So here, here is my hope and my prayer today. My hope and my prayer is to poke just a little bit at the faith that you and I possess. See, if you were to open your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, you would read the definition of of faith. The definition of faith, not by my words, but by the words of the author of Hebrews, it says faith is what? The assurance of things hoped for. Of things hoped for and the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. So whenever I ask you, do you have faith that God hears your cry? Do you have faith that God is truly, you know, capable of healing the body or restoring the relationship or piecing back the heart or, or repairing whatever it may be, restoring? Or do you have faith that God truly will get a hold of that prodigal child and bring them back on their face before his presence? We have to ask ourselves, do we truly have the faith? And here's what happens. Some of us, if we are not careful, we will actually follow the the example of Sarah. And here's what I mean by that. If you were to flip your Bible, if you're in Genesis chapter 18, and you were to flip your Bible about two chapters ago, so flip your book open, you know, kind of go backwards two chapters into, into 15, 16, and 17, you're going to read a story of Abraham and this female servant named Hagar. Do you remember that story? Abraham and Hagar have a child. His name is Ishmael. And what what compelled this particular scenario? Well, Sarah has had enough time waiting, and she's sick of waiting for this promised child to where she believes that God may have promised it, but it hasn't come to pass yet. Therefore, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And she commands her female servant, her Egyptian servant, Hagar, to bear a son to her husband, and they name him Ishmael. And if you go on to read the story, Ishmael is blessed by God. He goes on. However, there were some, some, <laughs> some conditions with that promise. And, and now we know those conditions here in 2022. But whenever we think about Sarah, this time next year, God tells them Sarah's going to have a son. What does Sarah say? She says, now that I am old, now that my husband's old, now that I'm worn out, now we're going to have this come to pass. We're about 23 and a half years post the word of God to Abraham that he was going to be a father of many nations and every family on the earth would be blessed. 23 and a half years later, almost 24 years later, God visits Abraham and he reminds him of that promise and he tells him about this time next year, Sarah will bear a son. I don't know about you, maybe it's just me, I'm not always the most patient person. You know, we pray and we ask God to change them or we ask God to provide here. And like three days later, I guess it's just not going to happen. You know, we've almost associated God with Jeff Bezos. Now, if it's not done in two days, 
I guess it's not going to happen. Or maybe three at the most. But we have to understand, first off, God's timing is not my timing. God's time is not your time. But here's what I want us to do today. If you are writing things down or if you have your phone open... Not on, not doing your grocery pickup for, you know, 1230 to 130 or scrolling through social media. Here's what I want you to do. I just want you to write down, type into your phone notes or whatever it is or make a mental image. What is it you are praying for that you hope to be different this time next year? If you are praying for someone, something, if you are in a circumstance that is out of your control and you do not have the capacity to change, or if you are dealing with a relationship issue or a financial issue or a heart issue or a sin issue or a temptation issue or an addiction issue, I'm asking you to just simply note down, write down, or to think mentally what it is in your life, who it is in your life that you hope this time next year they look different, I look different, or this looks different. I just want you to write it down or think about it for just a moment. And here's what I'm going to do as you do that. I'm going to go into my phone. Today is the 28th. And I'm going to set a reminder. Because if I don't set it now, I'll forget until about this time next year when you all ask me about it. But I'm going to set a reminder. And that reminder is this time this year. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to See what it is in your life or what it is in my life that I've been praying about or what you've been praying about that God may have answered yet. But here's what I want you to do to not give up hope if he hasn't answered about this time next year. See, you and I are commanded over and over and over in the scriptures to let our requests be known to God. We are commanded to cast all of our anxieties onto him because he cares for us. He hears our cries and he sees what it is that we are going through. Now, if you were to open your Bible to Luke 18, you would actually find a vast difference between Genesis 18 and Luke 18. And the reason I say this, if you want to flip over, you can. If not, I'm going to read it to you. But in Luke chapter 18, you see a parable taught by Jesus about a widow. And Jesus uses this parable to instruct his disciples on how they ought to pray and not lose heart. Luke 18, it starts by saying, And he, Jesus, told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Apostle Paul said to pray how often? Continuously, without ceasing. Jesus said, if you pray or when you pray, when you pray. 
So here's what I want to do. I just want to provoke you just a little bit or poke at you just a little bit. For those of you who are praying for something or someone to look differently this time next year, just raise your hand. Okay, we're there. I have prayers individually. I have prayers in my marriage. I have prayers in my daughters. I have prayers in my ministry. I have prayers that things will look differently this time next year. Now, my thing may be different than your thing. Your thing may be different from your neighbor's thing. But here's what I do not want you to do. I want us to hold true to the fact that God is capable. But here is what happens in so many situations. If we were to be honest, who here likes to wait a very long time? (laughs) I'm married and I have four daughters. I wait a very long time for showers to be taken, hair to be fixed, clothes to be on, and ready to go out the door. And then I am the dad that sits there in my shorts and in my t-shirt and then wonders why we're always late after they've spent two hours getting ready and I forget to get ready the entire time. But I do not like to wait very long. Could you imagine God promising you something and 23 and a half years later, he reminds you of it and then you begin to laugh? If you know the story, it's 25 years of time from the, from the time God promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations until little Isaac was born. 25 years it took. 25 years. Now, you and I live in a society that moves at such a rapid speed that two days is just not fast enough. We'll pay the extra $15.99 for one day delivery. Or we'll pay the $35 for one day, next day air. Right? I mean, who here has ever done it? We don't have time to go to the grocery store tomorrow. I'll just do it all while I'm at work when I should be working or I should be doing something more important. I'll do my grocery pickup and I'll grab it today because we just don't have time to wait until tomorrow. And then what happens is if you and I are impatient in this particular circumstance, you and I are praying for God to do something. We're praying for God to heal. We're praying for God to restore. And then what happens is if you and I aren't careful, we will actually do what Sarah did. Here's what Sarah did. She trusted more in her womb than she did in God's word. She trusted more in her womb than she did in God's word because her womb remained barren for 24 years. So what did she do? She instructed her slave her servant to bear a child and that they would just raise it just like you and i if we are not careful we will be praying okay god i need clarity in my career and three days later we're applying for every job under the sun and we're saying well i guess he hasn't given me clarity yet or maybe a marriage is broken or falling apart and there is no intimacy later therefore we take matters into our own hands and because she or he won't give websites will do or someone else will do or, or if we aren't careful, we'll be praying for God to heal. And whenever we remain sick, we just imagine that this is always going to be like this. Therefore, we'll just constantly carry our pity and our sorrow. And we'll, what we will do is after just a few days of praying or after a few weeks of praying, you and I will find ourselves laughing, trying to convince ourselves that God is truly capable of doing what we are asking him to do. To where you and I will find ourselves. Do you remember what God asked Sarah in Genesis 18? After Sarah laughed, the Lord said, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? My hope and my prayer is that you and I will truly 
get away from that saying because here's what happens. Whenever you and I begin to pray about something and then it ceases, you and I have declared that this is too hard for the Lord. Well, I was hopeful and I was praying for God to change this or I was praying that God would move in here, but he hasn't yet. Therefore, we just stop praying about it and we stop thinking about it. We stop believing it is possible. So essentially what we were saying is, I guess it's too hard or I guess God's uninterested or he would have done something about it now. What I want us to do is I want us to begin to do just as the widow did. Jesus said that she went day and night, right? That we ought to pray day and night. We ought to believe that God is capable of doing what it is that we are seeking for him to do. And here, you and I, what, what I don't want us to do is I do not want us to find ourselves laughing or even crying on the inside, trying to convince ourselves that God is truly capable of doing what it is. So here's what I want us to do. Whatever it is that you wrote down, thought of, or typed in your phone, what we're going to do is you and I are going to pray day and night and plead with the Lord to change it. Plead with the Lord to fix it. Plead with the Lord to repair it. Plead with the Lord to change them. Plead with the Lord to get a hold of prodigal sons or daughters. Plead with the Lord to provide. And here's what we're going to do. We're not going to stop. We're not going to stop. Because I believe that with God all things are possible. But so many people put a time cap or a timeline on the possibility of said prayer. Sarah, 23 and a half years later, has come to the point in such disbelief that she begins to laugh at God. Could you imagine laughing at God? And then him ask you about it, and then you lie to God. So one, you laugh at God, and then two, you lie to God. And then he still chooses to bless her, and then bless Abraham like he did. So we have a situation where Sarah has had so much time pass, and so many sleepless nights, and so many times she's prayed, and no fruit, no evidence. But what does faith hope for? And what is the conviction of faith? Things not yet seen. So you and I might actually have more faith in our own works, because when a fractured relationship isn't working, we just completely go our own way. Or you and I will do anything in our own power to take control of, or whenever we truly pray for God to repair our broken heart, when we pray for God to truly satisfy our soul, and after a few weeks it doesn't feel like anything's getting better, that's when we turn to alcoholism or even addiction or whoever it may be or whatever it may be, and we're looking for one thing after another after another to satisfy us because we had faith in God, but then after a little bit of time, I guess, I guess it's, too hard. So my question for you today is, do you truly possess the faith that you can leave out of this door and say, I believe about this time next year, this or they will be different? Or are we similar to Sarah? Or are we similar to Peter? Are we similar to all of his disciples? If you remember the gospel accounts, you read through them, you're going to find numerous occasions where Jesus asks them what? Why do you have such little faith? Not that it was not existent, but it was such little faith that it was almost irrelevant. Well, you and I might be in the same boat. Yeah, I believe, <laughs> I believe God could truly repair this, but why would he do it for me? I believe God could really restore them, but but I, I really don't see it ever happening. I believe that God could truly change this situation. And here's what I want us all to know. You and I do not possess the capacity to change every broken person. 
You and I do not possess the capacity or the strength to change every difficult circumstance that we find ourselves in. There are going to be some people and there are going to be some things that literally have to be handed over to God and we plead with Him day and night to fix, to repair, or to restore. Because you and I, in our own capacity, do not possess the strength or the ability to change every broken person or restore every broken relationship or to change every single circumstance. Therefore, we find ourselves making our requests known to him and we cast all of our anxieties, all of our problems onto him. You know, one of the prayers I have, and Michaela and I pray about it all the time, is that uh, my four girls are married to... You know, guys like their dad. Um, so help me God. <laughs> um, no, but that's one prayer that I have that, that oh, I mean, it's almost crippling wondering what kind of bum could they find themselves with, right? I mean, who, who hears, like you wonder what kind of no good, you know, dirty, rotten, pig stealing, great, great grandfather did they have in their lineage? That's a Holes reference for those of you that, that didn't watch the movie or read the book. Um, but I pray for my girls, and I pray every day that they grow up to be God-fearing, God-loving, God-serving women that marry God-fearing, God-loving, God-serving women, or the fear of God I will put in them, you know, hopefully. That's why I'm working out a lot. Um, but I pray about that. But guess what? As I pray about it, and as I wonder, and as I speculate, I believe it's going to happen. I believe that I'm going to be able to sit around a campfire one day that my son-in-law's make, because I don't know how, um, and, and we're going to sit around a bonfire, and uh, we're going to sit in some chairs, and my girls and my son-in-laws and hopefully my grandchildren, we're all going to just worship together, and, uh, and we're going to sing songs of praise, and we're going to have worship moments just sitting around a bonfire in my backyard one of these days, or going to one of their houses and just sitting around. I believe it's going to happen, and I pray about it day and night because there is nothing greater that I could look forward to seeing in my future than seeing my children, my in-laws, and my grandchildren just worshiping the Lord together. That's what I pray about, and I believe it's going to happen. It better not happen this time next year. No, no little boys better be trying to talk to my daughter by this time next year. Or trying to orchestrate things for years in the future. But I believe one of these days it'll happen. I believe it. So here's what I want to end with. Do you truly possess the faith that this time next year, that person, that relationship, that circumstance will be different? I'm going to grab this one instead. It's right here. So here's what I want to do. I got it. I told you at the beginning of this sermon that I titled it, Take a Seat, but I haven't talked about a chair yet. Well, until now. I just need a volunteer to come up here and just take a seat. I've already embarrassed Blake enough. He's not coming back up. (laughs) I just want somebody, just anybody, just come up and just take a seat. <laughs> Did you all notice how she sat down? Can you just do it again? Just just do it again. Just take another seat. Just watch her. Just just come up. Yeah. Great job. All right. Now, you can sit down. Thank you. You can take that seat. I'll take this seat. But here's what I noticed. Maybe you all noticed that she sitting here, stood up, 
came and what? Just sat down. She put her, yeah, ladylike, you know, she put her hands down. But you notice she didn't walk up to the chair and make sure all four legs were on this thing. And she didn't flip it over and make sure, I, I, I don't mean this, but, you know, what, what kind of posture should I sit in or what's a weight limit or anything that I need to be concerned about sitting in this chair. She literally just got up from her seat, walks over here and just, sits down. Why is that important? Because this is what you and I have grown to do. We just, somebody says, take a seat. We move the seat back. And what do we do? We sit. Because after so many times of doing this, it just becomes second nature and it becomes natural and it becomes who we are and how we do it. So this is an illustration of what I hope you and I do when it comes to actually trusting God to do what it is that we are praying about or to change who it is that we are seeking his, his change in, that you and I would just simply take a seat. Take a seat. That you and I would pray so often and we would believe in such, with such great faith that you and I wouldn't have to review all of the instructions or, in, or you know, to make sure all four legs, we would just simply believe so much in the Lord. We would trust him so much that we would just simply take a seat that you and I could wake up in the morning and go to bed at night believing that God is going to do what God is able to do that you and I wouldn't have to to believe in the evidence first and then have the faith to know that God is capable of doing all things that you and I would just simply take a seat that you and I would just simply believe in God without having to make sure, you know, is this really possible for me? Or has anybody in my family ever experienced this? Or that you and I would just simply take a seat. At the beginning, I told you that whenever you take a seat with somebody, it's an invitation to spend time together. And it's it's an invitation to have an intimate relationship, friendship, marriage. And this is what I believe the Lord is wanting you and I to do, is to just simply... Take a seat, spend time with him, and live intimately with him. And trust him as you trust the chair, that this chair is going to hold me up just as God is going to do this, just as God is capable of changing him, just as God is capable of repairing me, just as God is capable of restoring us, just as God is capable of providing for us. Whatever it is that you are praying for and hoping for, here's the invitation for you. Take a seat. Take a seat and believe with all of your heart that God is capable of doing what it is that you're asking him to do what it is that you are pleading with him to do, what it is that you are praying for him to do every day and every night, just simply take a seat. Because by taking a seat, you are trusting in him and you are relying less on your own works or your own ability. I want to read Romans chapter 4 to end this. So as we get ready to close, as I get ready to pray and we worship one last time, I want us to consider the words of Romans chapter 4 with the example seen in Sarah, with what Jesus used the parable to teach his disciples thousands of years ago, just as he does today for you and I, to pray day and night, to believe with all of our heart that he is capable of doing all things. 
Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 19, Paul, wrote, Paul went on to write, He did not, speaking of Abraham, weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. Anybody ever felt as if your body's as good as dead anymore? And why does he say that? Since he was about a hundred years old. Since he was about a hundred years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. So here is a man that was promised by God, I'm going to make you the father of many nations, and you're not even going to be able to count your descendants. Michaela and I were on the beach for two weeks, and do you know how many grains of sand we counted? None, because it was pointless. Because you cannot count the grains of sand. And God promised to make his descendants more than the stars in the sky, more than any grains of sand that we could ever mount, that we could ever count. And God promised this to him, but Abraham, after 25 years, finally sees it come to pass. But in the meantime of waiting, he did not weaken in his faith when he considered his own body, and he didn't weaken in his faith when he considered the barrenness of his wife. So whenever it is, whatever it is that you're praying about, though it may not change by next Monday, it does not give you the reason to stop praying. It doesn't give you, it doesn't justify us to stop believing and stop pleading with the Lord and making our requests be known to God. Paul went on to write, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. Are you fully convinced? Are you fully convinced as you sit right here and right now that God is capable of doing what you and I long and pray and hurt to see? Are you convinced? If so, I challenge you and I encourage you, take a seat. If not, I plead with you to truly leave here today believing that God is capable of doing all things. Let's pray.